Welcome to Beyond the Field, a property and finance series powered by Money Empire. The content you're about to hear is designed to educate and inspire you to tick off your property and finance goals. And when we say beyond the field, we mean your field, whatever that may be. Money Empire is an experienced financial advisory firm with over 10 years experience. We deal in this world day in, day out and want to give you, the loyal listener, exclusive access to behind the scenes of the property and finance industry. We've helped thousands of clients with their financial journeys, everything from first home buyers right through to managing clients with extensive property portfolios from New Zealand and abroad. Each week, BTF includes special guest episodes. We chat with industry leaders, entrepreneurs, sports stars, and the stories of everyday people. Now it is your turn to take back control of your future. So kick back and absorb. My name is Kane Wallstrom. I'm Ethan Asiwa. And today we have guest speaker Jeremy Twist, who is an investment advisor at Craig Investment Partners. Now, I will say his disclosure document is available on request and can be found on their website. Jeremy, welcome. Hi, everybody. Pleasure to be here. Good man. So, first of all, let's just profile yourself um, in terms of your journey in, uh, I suppose, the investment world. So, where did it all start for you? Uh, I began in Macquarie Bank in Sydney in the equities department uh, probably about 15 or 20 years ago now. After that, uh, I moved to London. I worked for Barclays Capital, which was a uh, global investment bank. There I worked in equity derivatives department uh, for a couple of years, and then I went into uh, private broking uh, for a year with Wills & Co. After that, I came back to New Zealand. And I've been working at Craig's Investment Partners for about twelve years on the the private client side. So, so what what stripping that all back because those are some big words on there. Um, what actually physically got you into wanting to be, I suppose, an advisor? Uh, I was always introdu- uh, interested in sort of political economy. I did a degree in politics and economics. I was always fascinated by the world, fascinated by newspapers and current events and uh, and the like. So it was just sort of a natural prog- progression for me into uh, markets, which is really, despite all the numbers and the graphs and the charts and, and, and the jargon, is really driven by sort of global events and uh, macro and microeconomics. So it's always been uh, fascinating to me. Did you enjoy your time in the UK? I did. Uh, I worked both sides of the global financial crisis and, uh, you know, I saw a bull in a bear market and, and sort of full swing. So it was a fascinating time for me to to sort of learn. I, I think uh, four years was more like probably 10 years in terms of sort of the learning <laughs> capability through through that period. And I worked with some quite well-known people uh, in the investment world um, in my time at Barclays Capital. I worked doing pan-European equities. Because you've got, yeah, you've got some heavy names, I suppose, behind you, like Macquarie Bank. You're talking mm. about all these names in Barclays Offshore. So <coughs> you've obviously had um, some good, uh, I suppose, mentors along the way. Sure. And previous to that, you were, did you study in New Zealand? Yes, I studied at uh, Target University. So I did a degree in uh, politics and economics and sort of polit- political economy. The crossover of the two was sort of where I specialised. Burned a few couches down there. <laughs> 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 um, okay, so I suppose obviously leading from that, you come back home into Craig's. And um, in terms of <clears throat> investing for people, so how and where do people start to invest? 
Um, I, I think uh, seeking advice from a professional, an AFA, an authorised financial advisor, is a, is a good place to start. The investment world is uh, complex and you know you don't really want to go down the trial and error route. You want to have guidance and uh, an education before uh, getting involved. Starting early, uh, you know, is very important. Mm. And you know, visiting uh, or getting to know uh, or engaging an investment advisor uh, is paramount. There are a number of firms uh, around. You know, there's there's Craig's, there's Jardins, there's uh, Hobson. Uh, and Forsyth Bar are probably the most well-known ones in the country and uh, you know, engaging an AFA from one of those firms would be a good way to start. Probably the biggest thing we see in our clientele is um, would it be the rush mentality of wanting to make money quickly and we know uh, investing in assets is a time-based thing as well. So we see it all the time in property. Yeah, just the, is, do you believe that there is the right education around um, investment banking for everyday Kiwis um, and the likes? I think it's improving, but I, I think there's still a long way to go. Um, mm. Investment seminars, investments days, uh, women's wealth, um, you know, we, we provide a number of these, uh, you know, uh, functions to our clients and prospective clients. Um, you know, our investor days run every second year, our women's wealth seminars uh, run continuously and our investor basic seminars do as well so you know feel free to reach out to me if uh, any clients want to engage in any of those uh, you know uh, events but uh, just getting back to your question I, I do think there is still a lot of work to be done I think nationwide to educate Kiwis, um, you know, property is a wonderful asset class, but, uh, you know, Kiwis are about 80% invested in that property class and uh, already extremely long, the, uh, you know, long that sector. So learning about companies and businesses and, uh, you know, the financial markets, I think, um, you know, needs, needs more work. Yeah, because we, we continuously talk week to week around education and it literacy. seems literacy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. We, we don't, we, we've always said that it should be starting in schools and understanding what a dollar value is, mm. what credit is, what debt is, what um, insurance is, what investing is, mm. you know, at a young age. Mm. And I think pushing through, would, uh, from our point of view, people probably um, use the mentality should be right for too long and probably not do anything about it till it's almost too late or in their later years of life. So there's a lot on that too. Um, okay, so um, someone comes to determine that they have worked out, okay, cool, I want to invest. Um, the approaches they approach, obviously, um, someone qualified in that space like yourself, like an AFA, and then they sit with you, and we get this question all the time, how how do they know what to invest in? Obviously, it's your from um, from your expertise and how you guide them, but um, I know there's a thing called a risk profile, and and you go through that process. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, face to face meeting is is important. Uh, completing what we call a client discovery questionnaire, um, you know, which asks you know detailed questions around sort of risk and profile, allows us to establish an appro appropriate asset allocation for a client and, and an appropriate type of account for a client. Because yeah. um, not everyone's the same, and that's what people don't realise is that you don't just get put in a box and that's you and that's your investment. Everyone is different, right? Correct. Yeah. So allocation of assets and investments has to be different from you to me to him. So in, in terms of, you, you're talking about the risk profile, you've got diversification, the word? Yep. 
And then we've got, I suppose, what they want out of that. Is it capital growth or, or income or dividends from that or, or returns? So Yeah, it, it can be a mixture. It can be, uh, you know, some investors are very focused on capital growth, typically younger uh, investors. Income is more uh, important for people who aren't working. Um, <clears throat> you know, in, income-producing assets are extremely valuable, especially in a low interest rate environment. Um so dividend-paying companies, um, you know, a, a very important foundation of a portfolio. Other companies that are uh, more growth-focused and um, you know reinvest their net profit after tax back into the business in order to grow the company uh, also form a very important part of the portfolio. So getting getting the mix right of those two, um, you know, is, is, is I guess part of our. Um, Part of our philosophy and our intellectual property. What would you be? What would your thoughts be on KiwiSaver and, and the introduction of KiwiSaver into New Zealand? Because um, I suppose if we're looking at the Australian side, they've had superannuation for a long time, and we're fairly new in that game. Yep. Um, but the compulsory savings, pre-tax dollars for me, it's it's a no-brainer. And um, what would your thoughts be on it? I think it's a wonderful vehicle to get people started. Yeah. Um, we actually had compulsory. Super back in 79, I think it was yeah. uh, canned in 79, might have been Muldoon or one of the Prime right. Ministers, a bit of a shame because the Aussies sort of started around a similar time and their capital markets are very deep and liquid and thrive um, on the amount of uh, money that's in their uh, you know, superannuation and self-managed superannuation accounts. I think literacy in Australia is arguably higher because of that. Um, Every person has a financial advisor over there. Yep, and everyone's got a view as well um, <laughs> on, on markets, on, yep. on things. And, you know, the mining boom certainly uh, helped that. Every sort of Aussie seemed to have a broker in Kalgoorlie and stock tips <laughs> to, work, to work from and, and things like that. So, no, I, th- I think the, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very good thing, KiwiSaver. And over time, as people's balances get bigger, they'll be more engaged, more literate. And, yeah. uh, you know, I think it will become more... Sophisticated. I mean, we have a uh, KiwiSaver offering where you can buy and sell uh, shares, where you can uh, choose you know, your own investments. I think we've got four or five hundred securities available to uh, to invest in. So you don't have to just go into a, a fund. You can you know, structure portfolios and, and treat it like you would a direct portfolio. So that's a, a product unique to us. That sort of in some ways mimics an Aussie self-managed super fund, uh, the flexibility and uh, personalised nature of that. So. Yeah. Some of our clients with larger balances and even some with smaller balances value that flexibility. KiwiSaver is really interesting. Obviously, from our side, um, Eastern, you can comment on this, where first home buyers access it for um, uh, deposits, which is a great tool. Um, but would it be fair to say that a lot of people have A, no idea where the KiwiSaver is and B, no idea how it's even invested? Oh, yeah, that's, you know, I'd say upwards of 8 out of 10 wouldn't even know how much they contribute, um, what percentage they do. And again, around the education of it, um, it's probably still a new vehicle, uh, still quite foreign to a lot of people. Um, They just know it's, you know, coming out of their pay each week. And that's what, I guess, a lot of everyday Kiwis have been educated that way. And there's just not a, you know, you don't know what you don't know. There's just a, maybe just a lack of education around the whole vehicle. Yeah, what you, what's your thoughts, Jeremy, on being able to use KiwiSaver um, for a deposit? You think it's a good tool, uh, or do you think it drives more and more people into the property market, which could be overweight in terms of investment? Yeah, I, I think um, you know, I guess there are arguments both ways. I, know, I, I guess um, you know, for me, I'd probably rather see it um, staying in the KiwiSaver vehicle and um, you know, put to one side as a and as an investment product rather than sort of drawn on. But yeah. um, you know. Mm. 
people have financial hardship, people want to buy properties, um, you know, the current legislation allows, uh, you know, the access for that. I mean, in Australia, um, you know, you can you can gear up your Kiwi, you know, your, your, uh, your investment account, people can buy investment property and use gearing and things yeah. like mm. that. Self-managed super funds. So, you know, so ours doesn't have that sort of ability, but it has some flexibility around home ownership. But look, I, it's, it's, it's what it is, I guess. It's Would fine. New Zealand go that way? I don't, I don't think so. We're, we're too far behind, aren't we, really? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, we get, this is a question we get asked all the time, in terms of let, KiwiSaver or uh, investing, should I be a super aggressive or not? And I know it's risk profile. Mm. Um, predominantly, what what's the generalisation in this? Well, I don't know about the term super aggressive, but... Um, you know, investing sensibly. Uh, you know, if you're young, I, I you know, I think that uh, you know, growth should be a, you know, a focus. Um, I don't think you have to be super aggressive, um, but you know, having um, you know, high quality growth stocks in a, in a portfolio with sectors like healthcare and, and technology uh, that can be held for the long term will you know produce you know excellent results. Yeah, um, but you don't have to be super aggressive, I don't think. Um, because with more risk, um, you know, there can be higher reward, but there also can be more volatility or also, um, you know, can lead to, to issues if you're too aggressive. I think. Yeah, definitely. The the terms bull and bear market, mm. uh, I suppose a lot of people have heard that and have no idea what they mean. Give us a rundown. So a bear market um, is when you know the share market or even any individual asset uh, falls by 20% and sustains that level uh, below 20% for an extended amount of time. Okay. So let's say the share market dropped 20% and stayed down for a while. That would be categorised as a, a bear market. It's uh, when people are less confident and asset values are falling. Uh, a bull market is the opposite when an asset or a share market or um, you know moves up by 20% and then you know, sustains that level yeah. um, on an ongoing basis. Um, so in March, we saw the fastest bear market on record. Um, we saw a 30% fall, um, but it was also the quickest um, bear market as well because uh, I think by five weeks later, we were back in a bull, bull market. Um, so the fastest sort of uh, bear and then uh, recovery so it's quite quite unusual uh, is that that would that wouldn't happen a lot would it uh it's unusual that yeah. amount of volatility i mean the market very very quickly priced in a global recession a violent repricing the so, worst the worst you've come across or not, uh, not one of the worst yeah I, I think it would probably be a far well it was a faster fall than 2008 mm. because it, it basically 2008 you were sort of going down for about a year it culminated in the lehman brothers collapse in september yep. uh, where the market sort of probably for four days in a row, drop 5%, 5%, you know, it, it, it was, but this was sharper, it was faster. It was basically, uh, you know, for, for something like that to happen, the, the market has to be very surprised, it has yeah. to be a shock. And the shock was when what people thought was a, um, you know, regional, um, um, you know, you know, pandemic became a global pandemic you know in the past with SARS and MERS and mm. and the other uh, you know coronaviruses they were contained within a certain part of Asia mm. so but by the end of February um, you know it looked as though it was sort of contained in, in Wuhan and China and perhaps some of the peripheral countries but once it started spreading to Europe and other parts of the world that's when when the market woke up to the fact that this, this was actually going to be a global pandemic and it very violently priced in a global recession within a matter of weeks so that would probably be the fastest move that I've seen it's probably um, you know one of the bigger events that we've encountered um, mm. in 2008 it was uh, you know mortgage 
kickback security market in the US and subprime collapse, but that took quite a long time to work its way through the system. So mm. it was it was slower um, um, than what we saw. 1987 was uh, another major crash, but yep. that was really it happened. That happened very very quickly. There was a sort of a 20% fall in one day. Mm. Um, when sort of early early stage sort of derivatives sort of melted down and caught triggered a sort of a, a route all around the world, but again, um, you know the, the market bounced back reasonably quickly. Not so much in New Zealand because uh, you know a whole generation of Kiwis left the share market and never came back. Um, but other markets sort of recovered quite a bit quicker. But there was a lot of leverage in the market back then. There was a lot of margin loans, people borrowing money to invest, and uh, I, I don't think that you know the New Zealand general public really understood what they were doing uh, back mm. in those days. There was also a lot of companies back then. Finance companies. Were, were kind of finance companies or trading companies. They are just buying each other and there was no real earnings or anything like that. Nowadays, you've got, you know, in the New Zealand market, it's a lot more robust, a lot more regulated uh, and the companies are much, you know, higher quality than perhaps we saw in the past. But but yes, that was, uh, you know, one of the sort of more volatile episodes we've uh, encountered. But the market bounced back very, very quickly with global central banks um, you know coming coming to the rescue by lowering rates and printing money and uh, you know you know shoring up financial assets just on that um, just from that trend what's your thoughts on uh, I suppose the state of the nation at the moment we obviously were super low interest rates and predicting to go lower so money becomes cheaper people look to borrow more money we know we need to push credit and flow around the economy but what sort of I suppose your and your firm view on the short and medium term of things um, you know it, it does have a big impact on financial assets lower interest rates whether it be property or, or shares um, you know the the income derived from shares becomes more valuable in a low interest rate environment and mm. you know and property values will also Go up, so it does have a big impact on, on on financial assets. The role of the central bank providing liquidity and lowering borrowing costs. Um, yeah, so that that that's probably the environment we're in. It's a it's a t- it's a t- so tough to even know, right? Because at any stage we could New Zealand could go into another lockdown, which um, then could filter around the world as well, and then it just flickers, and, and no one really knows what's around the corner. Mm. But so moving into that, um, in general terms. How different, I suppose, would a young person's portfolio be compared to a retiree's portfolio if they're investing? Yeah, it's 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 sort of generalising, but um, you know, in, in my sort of uh, scope, typically a retiree will have a lot more in income-producing assets than a than a younger person. Um, income-producing assets can not only be dividend-paying shares, but also corporate bonds. Yep. Um, a corporate bond is in some ways like a term deposit, but you actually lend your money to a corporate, whether it be, let's say, Fonterra or ANZ Bank or um, uh, Z Energy or you know any of the sort of uh, large companies around New Zealand. Yep. And to, you lend them the money and they will pay you interest rate, which is known as a coupon, typically twice a year. And for a fixed term, I mean, it can be five years, it can be seven years, it can be three years. Um, so those are bonds. Uh, and know, just on that, uh, in New Zealand, have stopped paying those at the moment. Is that correct? Uh, they've stopped paying dividends. Yeah, yeah, on the on the shares. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A, a number of companies have cut their dividends. Okay. Um, Z Energy, uh, Auckland Airport, um, you know, Air New Zealand. So you know, there's a, a you know a lot of uncertainty out there. So you know, cutting the dividend will um, leave cash within the company. Um, 
you know, the cash flow and the, the cash flow in yeah, the company. Yeah. So for the long term, it is a good thing. Uh, not so good in the short term if you're a shareholder because you lose your your income from yeah. from that particular asset. Yeah. Um, but you'd probably rather the share price not fall out of the sky. Would that be correct? Uh, that, that's right. Yeah. Um, so. I mean, we these terms get thrown around all the time, and you know, you think of someone that might be trading shares, sitting behind a computer, ringing a bell, and, and buying some stuff. But um, you've got, you know, managed funds and shares. Explain to the listeners just the difference and the basics of them. Um, you know, we, we invest in both. Um, typically, I invest in, in shares directly uh, for clients. So if, when I build a portfolio, I will buy directly the shares uh, companies. You know. Let's say Auckland Airport, Port of Tauranga, you know, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, um, you know, CSL, BHP Billiton, these these types of global companies. Um, with managed funds, you're sort of buying into a unit in an already established portfolio. Right. Um, so there's the, the spread of the risk inside that portfolio. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, it, typically with uh, the way that we would structure portfolios, I would have a minimum of uh, 20 shares in a portfolio. Some okay. portfolios are considerably larger, obviously, but... Um, with managed funds, it's uh, you know the um, role of the manager. So you know the companies like Milford and Fisher Funds and Pi Funds are the sort of other fund managers around town. Um, there are many others, and uh, Key Street as well, which is a yep. wholly owned subsidiary of Craig's. Um, I tend to invest directly uh, in shares and, and build portfolios, uh, bespoke portfolios for people. They can incorporate managed funds as well and exchange traded funds. As well, which are known as ETFs. Um, so you know there are a lot of uh, there are a number of building blocks that you can use to put together portfolios. We get asked this probably every week or every month. When is a good time to invest? Uh, throughout the cycle, I think uh, you know, and investing for the long term. I think with KiwiSaver, uh, it's a good one to sort of reference because with KiwiSaver you invest every month um, yeah. methodically. And that's a great way to invest because, you know, if the market falls, you're actually buying more on that month. The market goes up, you're going to buy a little bit less. So it sort of smooths you throughout the year. So really the direction of the market, um, you can be fairly agnostic uh, to the direction of the market because you're just averaging in over a multi-year period in, in monthly increments. So, you know, that that's a particularly good way to invest, um, especially for the long term. So that's referencing KiwiSaver. The best time to invest is obviously when the market's down, uh, although it's very difficult to invest. <laughs> <laughs> you would be a million-dollar man mm. if you knew when to pull trigger, mm. right? And that's a question we get asked all the time. So a good, a good example was this year when you know the market fell 30% very, very quickly. Um, it, it takes... Um, uh, you know, uh, you know, it, it takes a lot of guts to invest when the market is down that heavily because it, you know, it feels very... Um, scary at the time, but uh, you know that that is when you get the best pricing. Yeah. You know, so those that hold their nerve, or those who are um, you know adventure enough, adventurous enough to buy into weaker periods in the market, tend to do to do very well. Unfortunately, um, it can be human nature to want to sell when the market's down and buy when the market's up. This is sort of known as uh, pro-cyclical behaviour. You know, following the herd. Uh, successful investors will try and you know resist, do the opposite. Resist, resist the urge to <laughs> yeah. follow the herd. Yeah. You know there is comfort with being with the herd, but it doesn't always mean that you're yeah. right, and it doesn't always uh, mean that you're successful in yeah. the share market. So, to a certain degree, you have to have a little bit of contrarian um, you know type appetite, and that's where I can help. Probably the most value that I can add as an advisor is helping people manage their emotions and just to encourage them that. Uh, 
through volatile periods, you know, the market does tend to self-correct over time. And typically these periods offer good pricing and good opportunities. There's probably two things I take from that is that in down markets, as an assumption, the rich get richer because they potentially have a bit more play money to chuck in. And um, what you do, and I know firsthand, is the education you provide to your clients. So you really educate them, um, you talk them through, uh, and you probably put them at ease a lot where if they potentially were just trying to do it themselves or, or dealing with someone else, they just panic. So, Can anyone invest at any age? And can parents, say, invest in you know under their child's name for the future? Uh, yes, they can. I mean, we've got a, we've got a product for, for kids uh, that can be open under a parent's name. Uh, and then at the age of 18, um, you know, the assets obviously transfer to them when they're technically a, an adult by, by the regulations. So, so yes, um, you know, we can uh, offer that sort of product. And yes, you can invest at any age and the earlier the better. Really. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So then, um, you know, it's, how long is this piece of string? But is there a minimum amount I need to invest? Um, no, I'm talking sort of specifically to the Craig's sort of product Um Suite. I mean, we we have a product called My Start where you can start with as little as a hundred dollars um, invest, and you can also buy fractional uh, amounts of shares. So you could buy a quarter of an Amazon share or a quarter of a uh, an Auckland Airport share, or you know. So so for smaller amounts, you can still sort of buy uh, fractional amounts of shares and things like that. So we it's a product that we manage. Um, in terms of our premium uh, account, we start with. Uh, 250,000 is uh, our premium uh, service, uh, which is what I'm most focused on. Um, but you know, with KiwiSaver and MyStart, you know, you can start with uh, very small amounts, modest amounts. Is that where these? This probably for you. So is that where these platforms like Sharesies and that have come in to really get the five dollar, twenty dollar investors in, into the market, and they can just jump and manage funds? I'm guessing that's to fill that real, real bottom. Yeah, gap. Sharesies is a is a fairly newish uh, platform. They are currently about three percent of the volume of the the Kiwi market. So they've gone from nothing to three percent quite quickly. They've been very popular through lockdown when people couldn't bet on sport <laughs> and things like that. They were. This is not only a New Zealand phenomenon, but in yep. the US as well, via Robinhood, which is the US yep. version. Yep. Of, yep. Um, yep. And so, you know, I, I actually view it as a good thing. I think that, you know, it's bringing more people into the market. It's um, it's good that people are, are taking an interest, taking a view on, uh, on, on, on the market. Um, they probably need a little bit of direction at times because uh, they tend to target the same same sorts of shares and um, you know there is a bit of herd mentality there but yeah. ultimately the um, bringing more people into the market is, is a good thing as I say our my start uh, product in some ways is um, you know offers some of the features that sharesies does, does obviously low costs and fractional ownership of, of shares but we have a um, uh, an approved list of securities to choose from that we've approved and um, you know so to sort of to, to protect the investor I guess as well to define their universe to quality names rather than speculative mm. type securities. Probably the way I see shares work is that um, they probably get in at, uh, at, at minimal capital have a play around make some probably money add to that portfolio and then possibly go okay cool I need actually someone now mm. to look at this properly invest for me on my behalf where mm. they jump across to someone like yourself or Craig's. Sure. Um, in terms of the market over the last five and ten years, how's it how's it been? Uh, yeah, well, very strong, obviously. Um, you know, the Kiwi market has averaged sixteen uh, percent per annum for the last five years, and just under fifteen percent per annum for the last ten years. So it's you know exceptional. Um, 
the Aussie market uh, has been about 7.5% for the last five years on average and 6.2% for the last 10 years, so not, not quite as strong as New Zealand. The Aussie market is dominated by banks and, and mining and oil and gas companies, so yeah. you know those sectors haven't been... Um, you know, as strong uh, over the mining the sort of boom five fell out. Yep, it's starting to sort of reignite a little bit the yep. mining um, story again. But certainly, the the boom mm. years uh, of kind of, I guess, two thousand and two to about sort of two thousand and ten. That that was the really sort of heady years of the you know the, the great commodity sort of super cycle. That just, we saw. just on that, the mining boom. I tell you some stories on that as to see it. You go through the mining towns, and when it's booming packed these mm. these little regions are absolutely packed and when it's gone you go through and there's just houses that are just left mm. with swinging doors open tumbleweed just tumbleweed it's mm. just vacated mm. so it's pretty interesting sorry jeremy and the um the global market so the world index the msci world uh five in the last five years is about 9.6 percent per annum and over 10 years about 11 percent per annum so you know I, I think uh, you know returns have been pretty good from this asset class um over the past sort of five to ten years so say say someone's you know into invested with yourself or Craig's or or Shizzy platform. How can someone you know how quickly can someone liquidate their shares? Cash out. Cash out. Cash out. Well, it's T plus two as we call it. Trade day plus two days for settlement. So if you sell uh, two days later, you receive cash. So you, let's say a three day round trip. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but faster than property. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's which can be thirty or forty days. Well, well it's yeah. so important for people around their retiring age when you think of it. Oh, okay, you know, cashier, I'll just sell my house now. Well, you know, that could be three months. It could be longer. You know, how long's a piece of string? Whereas, you know, a three-day turnaround to have those funds is pretty significant. I can't tell you how many times I've heard, "Oh, my retirement's my property, and I'll just sell it when I retire." And I think. Well, you don't know what a market's going to do then. Mm. So, you know, you need liquidation pretty quick and capital to use mm. to live off. Yep. So, yeah, um, how how do you determine, I suppose, when, you touched on it before, but when to buy and, and sell a share? Obviously, you always wanted to buy at the bottom and sell at the top. But what are some like key indicators? You guys have a great research house um, that you use, obviously. Yeah, it's a combination of what we call fundamental research and technical analysis. Um, allows us to sort of decide when to buy and sell. Um, fundamental research is, uh, you know, we have people whose job it is to analyse the companies that we invest in. So we have a, you know, an analyst who may focus just on the technology sector. He may, or another one that may focus on healthcare, or one that may focus on focus on listed property or infrastructure and they and they you know they talk to the management of the companies they value the companies after the earnings results twice a year they uh, adjust their valuations and cash flows and forecasts and things like that so that provides us um, the actual valuation of, of the company um, and then technical analysis is more the price action and, and analyzing sort of the movements and in, in the share price and also uh, charts and graphs and and that gives you um, insight into you know when to pull the trigger and uh, when to add to holdings and when to reduce holdings and, and things like that. So it's a combination of those two factors. One is research and one is trading. You put the two together and that's that's you know, how we how we work. So for the listeners it's not just uh, pulling a uh, a star out of the sky and saying today we're going to invest in zero. There's a lot of research that goes into behind it um, as to where you're going to be pointed to and what you're going to buy for. So probably getting away from I suppose 
um, the investment um, education side and pushing into um, Jeremy um, at, at Craig's. So tell us, obviously, your role in there uh, as an advisor, but tell us a little bit about that and obviously Craig Investments as a company. Yeah, so Craig's has been around since the early 80s. Um, we're an amalgamation of many different firms. Um, we've got 20, uh, 20 offices now. Um, Head offices in Tauranga. Um, the biggest office is in Auckland. Um, you know, we've got offices in Queenstown, you know, Auckland, Wellington, and so on and so forth. So twenty in total. Uh, I work on the private wealth advisory side, so I advise uh, you know family trusts, family offices, private individuals, and the like uh, on portfolio management. Uh, we also have an institutional equities area that advise corporates, hedge funds, uh, fund managers. Uh, and the like, and we also have uh, an investment banking arm that which handles uh, you know IPOs and um, you know, mergers and acquisitions and and corporate uh, transactions. We also have a fund management arm called Key Street as well. So it's a an integrated uh, you know investment house uh, investment advisory firm. We've got a global alliance with J.P. Morgan, um, so that that's uh, sort of for our market insights and global markets, and uh, so. So that's our strategic partner, our alliance uh, with them um, was signed earlier in the year. Previously, uh, you know, we were in an arrangement with Deutsche Bank, German investment bank, uh, but now we, uh, you know, are, are fully owned again, 100% owned by uh, shareholders like myself uh, of the firm. So we're locally owned 100% again. I've been with Craig since 2009, uh, so I work in investment advisory, uh, obviously, and um, you know, helping sort of private individuals with portfolio management. How many advisors do you guys have in Craig's total? Uh, about 150 okay. uh, across wow. the country. We've got wow. about sort of 40 odd in, in Auckland. Um, so yeah, it's, it's quite a large organisation now. We yeah. manage about 22 billion for, for clients. Yeah. And obviously how you help clients is obviously build wealth, investing in that way. But is it quite hands-on for yourself um, with a lot of your clients and, and your base there? It is, yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah it, it is. You know, a lot of we have a lot of face-to-face -face meetings, a lot of phone calls. Um, uh, we're obviously at the coalface uh, each day. Um, you know, it's it's not a nine-to-five job. Um, if people wanted to get into the industry, it's sort of a uh, you know, it's an around-the-clock sort of profession. And um, that's because of markets offshore, different time zones as well. Yeah, so you know, the, when we come into work, the US market is still open. Um, and then the New Zealand market, the market opens at 10, the Aussie market opens at 12, Asian markets open in the afternoon, and then as we're going home, you know, uh, Europe is, Europe's opening. So we've got, we manage risk all over the world, so I've got positions uh, in all of those markets, and uh, markets trade 24. Can I just ask quickly, so you've been, with all your experience around the world, Australia, UK, how has technology changed the industry in the last 15 Great years? Great question, that. Um, it, it's changed it quite profoundly. I mean, if you go back further, uh, there wasn't electronic trading. It was uh, done with sort of hand signals and chalkies, and you see that sort of the old... The old, old Wall Street yeah. movies of the 80s when yeah, there's someone yeah. with a, you know, a bell and chalk and drawing it up. Like, yeah. technology must have transformed the it, industry. It, it absolutely has, and we've still got guys in the office that remember and worked in those days. Um, <laughs> wow. So there's some quite good uh, good war stories from, from the 80s and things like that, but it's certainly uh, all gone. On, uh, electronic and the roles of computer driven trading uh, is now very very high in markets I think half the volume in the US is run by computers and algorithms and mm -hmm. things like that less so in New Zealand but uh, 
certainly uh, the algos are at work in the in the Kiwi market. You can see it if you know what you're looking for in the yeah. daily trading and things like that. So the role of technology is uh, increasing all the time in, in the market. Um, and uh, you know the use of technology is incredibly important for what for what we do. Um, so investing in technology for your firm is is, is you know is hugely important. Yeah. The technology space in general, as investing in companies, has that have you seen a big uplift in people doing so? Certainly, um, and COVID nineteen has accelerated a lot of Absolutely. the digital trends that were actually in place beforehand. Um, you know, have, have uh, probably brought forward probably two to three years into sort of two or three months. Yeah. You know, just things like working from home and mm-hmm. using using sort of video conferencing and, uh, you know, having a, an appropriate setup at home to, to work, you know, just, just things like that. And um, so, yeah, the big technology platforms and the tech sector has been actually a big winner from, uh, you know, the global pandemic and the, uh, you know, digitalization, the further digitalization of sort of economies, you know. You just got to think of, um, like for us, we were using Zoom a lot in, uh, in lockdown. You think of, you know, Zoom subscriptions and that, that have gone through the roof in that time. So there's all that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, tell us the best part of your role. So the most satisfactory, what's, what's the best part of it? <clears throat> uh, you know, the, the market and the investment world is constantly changing. Um, so, you know, no two days are the same, no two years are the same. You're dealing with sort of different inputs and you get different results. And uh, so that, that is quite fascinating for me. But I think good client outcomes, uh, you know, it'd give you the most satisfaction. It doesn't necessarily, you know, have to be, um, you know, percentage gains or things like that. It's more just sort of delivering against a, a set of objectives. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's quite satisfying when, when clients are, you know, are happy and, and refer other family members or, or people in their sphere and things like that. I mean, there's no greater compliment than, uh, you know, when people refer um, clients who've had a good client experience. So that's, you know, what we strive for. Yeah. What's just your general advice for, you know, people wanting to enter the industry? What would Craig say? Um, look, it's a wonderful... Don't sleep. It's, <laughs> it's a wonderful industry. It's very exciting. Um, it's very interesting. Um uh, you know, it's, it's not for everybody, but, um, you know, people who, you know, are interested in the world and around them and, and uh, you know, the way that people interact with one another, um, you know, will, will be, you know, will, will enjoy this industry. You don't necessarily have to be a mathematician or anything like that, but, um, you know, nu- nu- numeracy certainly helps. Um, but, you know, being curious about the world is, 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 is probably a good place to start. And, um, uh yeah, I'm, I'm very happy to, to talk to anybody who is interested in a career um, you know, in the investment world. Where can um, our listeners or people find out more about Craig Investment Services? Uh, we've got a website uh, which has considerable uh, information. Um, and, you know, you're welcome to look me up on the website and my advisor disclosure statement is on there. And I'm, I'm happy to engage and uh, answer any questions anyone has. But, you know, we have a very comprehensive website. We have offices all around the country. Um, yeah, and we're very happy to reach out to individuals or groups. Yeah. Anything else from the lighthearted discussion we've had here that you would add to any of the topics or that we haven't covered off in general? Um, I haven't got too much more to add other than just to say, uh, just reiterate, if anybody would like to you know, have, have further discussions around uh, the investment world, Craig's, or um, you know, what, what we see going forward, then I'm very happy to um, you know, make some time to, to do so. And my uh, details are available online or uh, you can get them from 
uh, from Money Empire. Brilliant. I um, I suppose what we see all the time, but um, you know, with regulation coming into New Zealand around the financial services and products industry, and with um, I suppose the education that uh, New Zealanders are now getting, and and the appetites and exposure of the world, that the investment side is becoming far greater and more needed uh, in our, I suppose, industry and also too for um, access to people all across New Zealand. So, um, Jeremy, I know you're a busy man, um, expanding family and <laughs> full-time 24-hour job almost, but appreciate you coming on. And um, absolutely, if you want to get hold of Jeremy, um, jump on Craig's, come through us. We'll put them on to you. We personally uh, use them for a lot of clients and we get great feedback. So uh, thanks for joining. Thanks very much, guys. Pleasure talking to you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information on this episode and hundreds more, you can visit us at Beyond the Field Podcast on all social platforms. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Now it's your turn to take control and build your empire beyond your field.